The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I'm Fred. We got a great episode for you this week. Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons, an excellent, excellent musical talent. You got to go check out their work. I am a big fan of what we talked about. And to be honest with you, we went down some roads that I really never expected. We talked about masculinity, and that is an issue that uh, I don't believe I've ever talked about on this show before, or in general. I mean, maybe I've read about it. It's a subject in the news a lot, but it was uh, quite fascinating. Also, Jay's got a bit of a whiskey palate. Yes, he does. He's got a whiskey palate, and I tell you what, he breaks down MB Rowland and Peerless and Michter's better than anybody has on this show previously, so... So giddy up, grab your whiskey, and let's listen to the interview. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a -a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. And joining the Fred Minnick Show is uh, the one, the only, Jay Buchanan, recently featured in uh, The Rolling Stones, the lead singer for Rival Sons. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, Fred. I'm doing very good out here enjoying the weather in uh, Southern California. It's really nice. Now you have been you have been getting uh, a lot of uh, a lot of press lately, and I want to go to the the Rolling Stone piece on you about wanting to uh, unify subsets of rock and roll. And you know, there's this is a kind of a weird time for rock because it's kind of like going all over the place in a lot of ways, and you do have that kind of a classic sound. 
and you know what's it what's it going to take to 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 make that sound to the same mainstream level that we have like post malone and um i don't know and how britney spears I, I used think, to be i i hear you i think i know what you're asking fred uh you know to be cut right to it as far as i'm concerned i don't think i don't see in the immediate future i don't see rock music um holding the place that it once did you know in the gold in the golden era of rock i think that there were a lot of factors at play mm-hmm. um that aren't that aren't easily uh, accessible and I, i'll i'll give you some of those factors i think that that made rock music so huge at the time that it was at its apex you have to understand that um recording technology and recording was a young a young art um pop music was a young art and just after pop music you know rhythm and blues came into the picture once uh, people started making records once you start having radio stations you have 45s you know long before mm-hmm. you have artists making entire records and everything you're talking about a span of 20 to 30 years now along with that you have the exploration that's going on internationally with these mediums um and you have the artists trying to be themselves but at that same time this is a new extremely lucrative business so then you have the commerce end of it the commerce end of it was funneling through what is going to work and what isn't you know um there were far less genres of music uh, at that time and the the powers that be the the labels and the promoters and commercially and otherwise they were really really putting rock and roll up on a mantle because at that time it was still quite a, a new art form right and uh so now you fast forward you know 20 30 40 years whatever and where we are now we've seen that same sort of renaissance happen with so many other types of music you know you look at what has um what came from hip-hop and R&B and all of this stuff and what that's flourished into. And that's, you know, hip-hop rules the world these days. Hip-hop even more, you know, than pop music. But you have those things in their shared production styles. It makes perfect sense to me. And when I think about rock and roll, I'm not really trying to get it back to, like, the golden age or anything. Yeah. But uh, uh, as to your, your direct question, though, about unifying... Uh, that with that article in Rolling Stone. Well, I had set out to, um, along with with uh, the band, you know, and, and my partner Scott Holiday in Rival Sons, we'd been talking about making a festival that would that would encompass all, you know, the full variety of where rock is right now. Um, I feel that there are subgenres within rock. Um, that I've seen, you know, over the last 10 years that I've seen, and I see them being more disparate in their approach. And I think it's time for everybody to just kind of lock arms. You know, we've had a very robust career and it continues to flourish. And I want to use our momentum for the bands that are underneath us that are coming up out of the garage. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that, you know, bands like 
Black Sabbath, the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, like all of these, all of these great bands, Deep Purple, all of these giant bands, they've done that for, for me and for Rival Sons. They've given mm-hmm. us those opportunities. So I want to keep it going, you know. Well, I think I think that's um, a, a really like uh, you know courteous way of looking at it. But you know, it is a def- it is a defining moment right now for for the genre. And uh, you know, of course, you're rocking an ascot. Naturally, you're becoming the leader of the of the movement to uh, <laughs> to preserve it. So, by the way, nice ascot. It really, it really is a nice ascot. Thank you very much. It's actually it's a kerchief made by Hanks kerchiefs. It's um, you know, Colin Hanks, uh, director, actor, all of that. Um, he uh, he started this company. I don't know about two years back, and they've kept me flush with gear. And it's so you, it's you, comfortable. You, you have fashioned it in such a way that it could pass as an ascot. Very nice. You know, I have a I have a ridiculous, uh, <laughs> a pretty ridiculous collection of actual ascots, and like I said, Hermes and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that anything you put around your neck and and tie it right, it's an ascot or a cravat. Or what it. you know what I mean, like because yeah. I've seen I, I there was this I I ran a restaurant back when I was still a kid, but I ran a French uh, restaurant, and there was this French bum, it was down in Costa Mesa. There was this quasi bum that would come in. He he didn't have a lot going on, but he had a dirty three piece suit, and he had a white shirt, um, and he always he just had a bandana. You know, or like a just a silk scarf, and he tied that up, and he he used that as an ascot. Yeah, and whenever it's however you wear it, man. Yeah, that's right, man. That that's an awesome story. So, another awesome story is I sent you some uh, I sent you some whiskey. Now we were trying to get this scheduled. We had some scheduling issues, and then um, and then you moved, and you and you drank one of the whole bottles before before the show. So. Let's uh, let let reveal to the world what what bourbon you love so much. You, you kicked it back. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, I've I've it was uh, it was Michter's, the Kentucky Kentucky straight bourbon here. Um, you know, Michter's is one of those. It's not that high on my list necessarily. This one, but this is, I mean, you know, their Kentucky bourbon is just it's a real easy drinker, and. It's one of those like, um, it's like the textbook of a of a good straight bourbon. That's like that would be like in the dictionary, along with you know four or five others. But it's that a, it's, was um, it's a great everyday's pour, that's for sure. Yeah, it, that's exactly that's exactly it. And I think uh, I had packed everything up and all of my whiskeys and bourbons and everything, and uh, it's really stressful moving your family across country. But I had this box sitting out with all of the other moving boxes, and I go, you know, I can't make it to the bottle shop, and I know there's a bottle of Michter's in there. I know I can replace that. I don't know what else he sent. You know, I don't know what else Fred sent me in those smaller bottles, but I know there's a bottle of that. Well, so, what, um, I, I, what I did I proceeded send, to I, I sent you. I sent you uh, MB Roland, which this mm-hmm. is a um, – this is a Kentucky single mash whiskey, so this is a this is something that's pretty pretty unique. 
And MB Roland is a uh, small distillery in Western Kentucky. Uh, big big fan of what they're doing, but they're tiny. And I also sent you a Peerless Rye. Peerless Rye yeah. is also a uh, small distillery in Louisville. So we've got we've got three three small or two really small distilleries, and then one kind of mid tier one. So Michter's is a is a, a touch on that mid tier side. And uh, I'm curious, what do you what do you normally drink when you're when you're out on the road, or um, what do you normally drink? Uh, you know, I think it depends on if I'm in. We're in Europe. Spend typically right about half the year in Europe, typically. Um, and so yeah, you got you got a show Europe, at Stockholm coming up pretty soon in July. Though. Yeah, Lollapalooza. that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So mainly over there, good great um like scotch whiskeys and and you know those tend to be a little more accessible mm-hmm. over in those territories and so sometimes you- i'll 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 start a tour and i'll pack a few bottles away um but for the most part i think on tour i love uh red breast you know is oh, a big one that's nice. a, that's a, that's a mainstay it's just yeah, that's a comforting whiskey and uh and then you know the 12 is that's the go-to and then you get that 15 uh every now and then it's just a delicious del- deliciously unoffensive oh uh, i wish i whiskey. had known that i would have uh i would have sent you the 27 well i think when i sent this out i didn't think i don't think i had the 27 year old i've got i'll send you right i'll i'll, I'll hit up uh, your publicist and send, send you some uh 27 year old of red breast it's a it's amazing it's like i've heard i've heard and uh I'm, i have every intention of tasting that yeah it's, it's, it's otherworldly good it's on a it's on another level so um yeah so this is we're definitely not in the scotch realm here we're in we're in the american no, whiskey not. side and you know the the uh, flavor profiles of American whiskey are, are are obviously so different than Scotch whiskeys and Irish whiskeys. And one of the big things is is def is the is the new chart oak barrel is uh, is such a, a game changer, and it gives us like all of our styles. And you know, I think let's go to let's start off with let's actually start off with the Mictors. And Great. I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah, I know. The, I know this taste, and it's right up the middle. That's about right. Yeah, that's that's right. When the other two are definitely not, they're going to be palate changers. So you're actually tasting the bourbon. I'm tasting the rye, and um, reason being, much much like you, I did I did polish off my bourbon. So I. Uh, I, w- I too was a. You want to know something, uh, Fred? When I was at the store, I prefer the rye over the bourbon. No for way. And, and so you so were that, going to. You were that's going to hilarious get, to hear. And so you got the bourbon, and I got. I love it. It's awesome. I was, and I. It even crossed my mind. Uh, I thought, you know, I could pick up this bottle of rye, and I'll just drink the rye and act like it's the bourbon because I like the rye better. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> there is something really great about the rye. I, uh, to me, I love the mouthfeel of the of the Michter's rye that, and it's like like a little back end of caramel. But mm-hmm. um, uh, but <laughs> that is funny because I was like I was like shit. I'm out. I'm out of Michter's bourbon. 
I mean, I've got like the 25-year-old and 10-year-old. You're at a Michter's bourbon. Oh, yeah, my so goodness. <laughs> yeah. That is, that, that's hilarious. So I, we'll call each other out on that one. Yeah, you Perfect. know, uh, as, we, as we should, right? <laughs> so how, is, how has, uh, you, you all are a band that everybody who sees you live, you know, they just, they talk about it. Seeing you all perform is an, is an experience, and I have and your 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 stage performances are you know legendary. I have to imagine that this is a the pandemic has been really difficult because you can't get on the stage and interact with your with your fans. How have you how have you coped with that, Mictors? Well, I, I, <laughs> Mictors, I think that this has been this has been a great year, uh, personal year for Bourbon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me and you know i think so much of it has to do with identity fred because uh i'm i'm used to doing that every day singing and the exercise it's a physical exercise it's a hammer hitting nails and it's a horse running the track and um i think that the the most difficult thing has been that protein missing from your day, you know, Yeah. my whole life singing and performing, you know, uh, the majority of the year for forever. And so having that, that thing that edifies you see taken away and removed from the equation has really been something, but at the same time, it's, you know, you can't scorn it. You, you can only scorn it so much because all of us to have it's forced us to be more introspective and maybe take stock about uh take stock in why we do what we do like what we why we really do what we do and and that ranges far beyond performing musicians of course i think that 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 all of us you know enduring this pandemic yeah, and of course, you know it, the 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 show that you all have at Stockholm in July is that your is that going to be your first show uh, to be on stage? Well, if everything, well, if everything goes right, that ought to be. Even at this point, you know, it's not as if the the, the performing music, the live music industry, has an inside lane on the CDC. You know, we we don't know how it's going to go. So we're looking. Yeah. We've had to think you know we wait till the last minute to cancel things because we don't want to accept that that's really, but the truth is like hey man whatever it's going to be that's how it's going to be i mean but it's a that's um, a hell of a lineup man you, you know post malone it is oh absolutely um you all you yeah. all are performing on the same day as pearl jam which you know i mean their yeah. fans have been like you know salivating to see them on stage again and so yeah we're, we're really excited about it in truth you know i'm holding out hope but just like everybody else is and um but we'll see how it goes you know i think we may try to do a some virtual stuff in between mm-hmm. now and then but it's anyone's guess you know if we can pull it together then great well but i if would we, I, if we sit here we will i saw that i saw that lineup and i said you know what i need to reach out to them and get a media pass and go out there i need i need some live music in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh, how have but, you how have you been getting by what have uh, you been doing to get by well in all of this i mean I'm, i know you've been busy with with doing this yeah i mean i'm i'm fortunate that 
you know, I lost, you know, I do, you know, so I do music festivals and, and stuff like that, but I help organize some in Kentucky and, um, you know, what the festival I co-founded is, was bourbon is bourbon and beyond. And, you know, we've had ranging from Stevie Nicks to Foo Fighters, um, Zach Brown band. So it's like a, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, yeah. a, it's a Danny Wimmer show and mm-hmm. it, it is, um, it, it's been like, I, I went from doing stuff like that and about to do a national tasting series with a, a major hotel chain to like nothing in like a day. And then I started putting a lot of effort into like YouTube, into the podcast and, uh, it just started clicking and then people started booking me for like virtual tastings. And so I basically went from, I went from like nothing getting, you know, booked wise for a good two month period to like everybody booking me, uh, who are booking me before yeah. just instead of a bar, it was, you know, on a zoom call. So it's very different. Right. It's very different. Well, it's good. You've been able to, to diversify. What about for uh, what do you do for leisure in these times? Well, I've got two young kids. I don't think I really have much leisure. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, for leisure, I just think about back when I had leisure time, yeah. and I reminisce. <laughs> I look at old pictures of uh, France and Italy and Vegas, and and uh, remember when I had a, a smaller belly and less gray in the hair. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, all right. So let's get to let's break these let's break these whiskeys down. I've got the I've got the rye. You've got the bourbon. We're both sipping on some mixers here. It really is good. It's delicious. Hmm. Well, it's five o'clock there. It's uh, just two o'clock here. Oh, well, so I, I guess you it, know. now it's four. Now, I guess now it's four o'clock. This is Jay. This is work. You know, so you don't you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. This is just pure, pure work. That's right. Well, believe me. Yeah. Sometimes I feel that I've been paid. I've been paid to drink <laughs> for the last two, couple of decades, and yes, we are doing the we're doing the Lord's work here. That's right. I I, I like to tell people I drink for America. You know, it's <laughs> it's the truth. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, so. so so you you are very familiar with the with the Michter's uh, bourbon. You know, and this is a this is a that's a product to me that's always got a, a big dose of brown sugar. Is the brown sugar coming there coming through there for you? That's brown sugar. It, yeah, it's like the that it's the toasted part of the marshmallow. You know, like mm-hmm. that the brown mm-hmm. part that isn't burned. Right. You know that the the caramelized marshmallows. I get a lot of that. And the um the spice is on the low end you know it's not it, it's not so peaky mm. hmm there's not too much of a strong alcohol taste in this that, bourbon 
That's you know? a uh, that's a that's a strong point, you know, and you know sometimes uh, and and it's in that ninety proof range, and to me that's like the perfect. Uh, that's a perfect like people like to say eighty proof is a good starter proof, but I think ninety and above is better because you can taste mm. the the flavors. I think when you cut it down too much to like eighty, you you miss out on a lot. Right. Yeah, I I tend to enjoy um, I tend to enjoy uh, like the bottled and bond um, and the uh, the the cask strength of, mm-hmm. of a lot of different uh, bourbons because they have they the character is so strong you can just you you can dial back the uh, that hard edge yourself with a, a drop of water so. Well, speaking of cash drink, that's where we're going next with the uh, with the rye, the peerless rye. Now, what do you when mm. you uh, when you're performing? Will you drink before you get on stage, or do you, you know? Um, I, for the most part, any drinking before uh, going on stage would be very minimal, and I mm-hmm. mean the equivalent of. Uh, a shot i don't i don't really i'm not keen to take shots of anything but you you know you sip just a little bit uh before you go on um and then once i'm on stage i'll keep a little cup on stage with right about this much mm-hmm. and uh and in between songs i'll just get enough on my palate just to wet and go down my throat just a little bit. Okay. Uh, and the reason that I do that is really, I don't like ingesting a lot of anything when I'm performing because with what, how I have to sing, if, um, if you get full, whatever's in here, it'll come up, you know, cause it's basically like doing jumping jacks for yeah 90 minutes or two hours. So. And like all that acid, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be fun. Well, yeah, there's that, and just not you know, not not like 1960s acid. I'm talking about like stomach acid. <laughs> right. Yeah, stomach acid, the original party. Yeah. <laughs> so this is great. The, the yeah, light's so perfect out here for this. It really today. is, and so this rye, uh, the they use a technique for their fermentation called sweet mashing. You know, the traditional technique is called sour mashing. And sour mashing, it's basically they take um, they, they take a back set or, or the, the part of the distillation that drops to the bottom and is basically like a little bit of beer, and they put it into the new fermentation, that, and it sours it kind of like you would make sourdough bread. And that basically mm-hmm. reduces like bacterial infestation potential. And mm-hmm. and so the peerless doesn't do that. They just ferment, clean up, ferment again, and it and it requires them to have like incredible sanitary techniques. Not to say that other distillers do not. It's just it is a it's a lot of work uh, to do it that way. And they believe that you get more flavor out of the grain by doing it that way. And mm-hmm. I I tend to agree with them because you can get a lot of flavor. Out of these, uh, out of these ryes. Now, this is a single barrel rye whiskey, 
coming from their distillery. They nicknamed it Rye Cherry Cola. Rye Cherry Cola. And for those who are, you know, listening to this versus watching it, the sun is glistening on on Jay right now. The it's just reflecting off of his glass. It, it's like it's like he's um he he's like a, a demigod in in Ireland with a um with a glass of whiskey, you know, coming to to save the um I don't know a a, a supernatural one of the one of the supernatural like kind of like fairy tales. Mm. Yes, keep going. I'm thinking I'm thinking you're um you're the leader of a of a of a special, you know, uh, demigod unit that's uh like from Peter and the Lightning Bolt um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay, too far. That w- I went too far. <laughs> By the way, great no. Great uh, book series. Oh yeah, this right away. This is this is more my speed. I mean, this is layered. This is layered in yeah. all kinds of baking spices and fruits. And the mouth, the mm. mouth is completely different from uh, what we had uh, with the Mictors. I like to say that Peerless's mouthfeel is oily. You know, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's basically like there's just like all kinds of oily feeling just kind of like dripping down. I, I really love their mouthfeel. I really do. Yeah. I think they do a great job. It's yeah, it's oily. It's got that silkiness, almost like a. Um, it's not filmy in the same way, but like. A, God, who is it? What is the uh, like Grams? Uh, that. that Graham's 40 year. Oh, that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That port, really honey, that really silky mouth. Nice. Well, that is delicious. And the one of the coolest parts is uh, their master distiller is like 25 or 26. He's like a, a, a little uh, savant of a, really? of a distiller. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever, if you're ever in Louisville, um, more than happy to introduce you to them. Really, really great people. And it's funny the the owner Corky Taylor has a huge connection to music. His uh, his his roommate was Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers, and wow. so so he has like all of these incredible stories of the Allman Brothers. And he was a pallbearer at his funeral, and mm. just um, just just great people at at Peerless. Okay, so I get it now. On the aftertaste, you get the cherry cola. Yeah. That's where yeah, that's where you get it. It's it is one of the best like descriptions of a single barrel I've ever seen. Yeah. There's seriously yeah, like a cherry cola there. Yeah. That's great. I mean it's kind of it's it's a fun one just to sip, but it's kind of like you don't really want to stop sipping it, you know, and go on to the next one. So uh, if it's all right with you, I'm I'm just going to keep sipping on this one before we yeah, pour the next that's, one. That's that's perfectly fine with me, because yeah, but, that is that this fits this checks a lot of the boxes of what I like in my in my dailies. 
Well, when you told you know, me that when you told me you were you you really liked a lot of the scotches, yeah. um, you know, in my experience, people who are lean towards scotch like rye more than they do bourbon. That's not always the case. That's exactly. That's no, no. I love rye, and you know, two of my closest uh, friends are not rye drinkers. You know, and I I try to explain to them uh, that like you don't taste those complexities, or you don't you don't value that. Um, there's a harder edge on rye, I think, in general, if you're looking for, um, if you're looking for that sweeter palate, a lot of rye, uh, a yeah. lot of rice just have a different approach. And I think that that can turn people, that can turn people away if they're looking for easy drinking or, uh, whereas for myself, I'd like, to, I, I like to explore the character mm-hmm. in a bottle and, and, and go on that ride you know it rye is also extremely misunderstood you know there is uh a bourbon is federally protected like you can't make bourbon anywhere else in the world but rye can be made anywhere in the world in fact it's yeah. made in germany it's made in finland canada has its own style of rye and it's uh what gets bottled you know can can vary country by country but in America, the standard is it has to be from a grain of, of at least it has to be at least fifty one percent rye. There are some distillers that will do like fifty one percent rye and then like you know forty nine percent corn. You know, so it's it's yeah. like so close to a bourbon, it tastes like a bourbon. Right, and then um, and, and then you most of the rye is actually coming from like Canada and Europe and. Uh, there's a few states that uh, grow rye really well, but mm. once corn started becoming more profitable for farmers, they basically gave rye the boot. And rye historically was made in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is making a nice little comeback right now. But um, it's really, it, it really is, it really is a spirit that's on the rise to return. But man, it's got a long way to go. Long. Do you feel way to the go. part? Of- Part of that is uh, like the resurgence in specialty cocktails and in, um, you know, that that whole movement that was really going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before the pandemic. But, I, I, you know, rye gets used in a lot of drinks. Yeah. And it's 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 really it, I think I think rye makes better cocktails than bourbon. I really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, rye, basically, the story of rye can, in the contemporary sense, can really be linked to one distillery in Indiana. It's it was a former Seagram's plant that uh, sold to Pinot Ricard in 2000, and Pinot Ricard flipped it to uh, CL Financial in 2006. CL Financial, which is Angostura's parent company, then started like taking the the stocks of whiskey that were originally used in the blends for Seagram's and selling them in the open market to bottlers. And the bottlers would, uh, you know, say they would have a 12 year old rye and they just opened yesterday and say like, Hey everybody, we distilled this. I'm a master distiller. Here's my 12 year old rye. And, and, but there was, there was so much of that going on. It kind of led to a bad taste in people's mouths of, of like the business of rye at the time but all those bartenders were like, holy shit, this is good. I'm making a, a cocktail with Redemption, or I'm making a cocktail with yeah. uh, Templeton. 
And so it completely changed the game. And we're talking 10 years ago uh, when that yeah. started. And then by that time, um, you know, as you, you know, move up to like 2018, you had, you had bartenders basically only mixing with rye when it came to whiskey. So, mm. you know, rye is a very flexible, very flexible in the cocktail shaker. And you see it getting its comeuppance. I do. I do. And I think we're starting to see, like, there's a, there's a brand in Pennsylvania called Dad's Hat uh, that's doing really well. Uh, you're seeing Maryland, you know, do quite well, getting the back into it. Sagamore Spirit, which is owned by Kevin Plank, the, um, you know, the Under Armour founder. You know, so mm. you're seeing a lot of, um, of trends toward growth with rye. But I think it's like anything right now. Like we don't really know where a lot of stuff is going. Um, you know, the White Claw comes out of nowhere, and everybody's drinking White Claw. <laughs> I mean, well, right. But you know, you 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 really have to take that with the grain of salt that it is. In the same way, I remember, you know, for me making records when I was a a, a late teenager and in my early twenties. And everyone would look at me and they'd go, oh, well, what do you think about the Backstreet Boys or Britney Spears or like all of this stuff that was coming out? I just said, there's nothing wrong with that. That occupies the taste for a certain amount of people. And if mm -hmm. anything, you know, I, you know, bands that are working to make something very unique, distillers that are working to make something very unique all the white claws of the world are doing is creating they're shining that con contrasting light on the people that are working really hard to uh, uh, develop something that that's anyway. that's definitely a fair point yeah you know, the the data on the younger uh, like so 21 to 25 the data on them is that they are they are not drinking you know so they're not uh, they're not drinking like we did growing up. And, right. um, and so they're more health conscious, but uh -huh. they're, they will drink white claw because they feel like it's healthier. And then the, the category, uh, that next one, that 26 to like 30 year old, they're not loyal, you know, so they're not loyal to a category. Whereas like, you know, their grandparents, would just be a bourbon drinker or a scotch drinker you know they'll they'll be like all over so the 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 two genres you know coming up that are going to be the next big buyers it's really fascinating you know because it they they're unpredictable unlike any generation before uh when it comes to alcohol consumption you know one of the really good examples is well uh, you know wine. real quick why why wouldn't they be more unpredictable because they have more choices than have ever been out there before. That's, you know, that's a, yeah, they, that's, they that's have a great many point. more choices than, than we did when we were in that age group. That's, that's exactly right. And wine is one of those where it is, is a very fascinating study. Like you remember the labels that there'd be Chateau this, or, you know, fancy cancel, fancy castle, you know, yeah. those, that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to uh, to younger consumers you know things like prisoner mm -hmm. wine does and uh you know to me it, it's like it, it's like both exciting and also just like a trend like i study trends i don't feel one way or another about them i'm just saying you know i i study them 
and I make analytical predictions off of them. And, and it's, um, there, I would say that this, this audience is coming up is going to be clinging toward rye, um, in, in a soda can fashion. We're, we, one of the things that we are seeing is we're seeing like these things that we call ready to drink, uh, spirits are basically cocktails. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and one of them that does really, really well is, is our rye cocktails in a can mm. or, mm-hmm. or like Jack Daniels cocktails in a can. Uh, so I think, I mean, I think that kind of stuff is, is going to insert itself into, uh, into that. Why do you think that is? Well, just because it's, it's easy, they're good. And, um, and there's going to be a lot of marketing behind them. Well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's money pushing it. And because they're going to be told to drink it. But that Um, doesn't, that doesn't always work. Doesn't oh, no, of course, of course yeah. not. Of course not, man. Um, you know, when I, I see Rye, I see Rye coming back in a big way and it getting its due because when you think about the, you think about what has, like in mix, mixology has definitely come to the forefront and mm-hmm. it's, it's only growing. And I think that we, um, we have so many choices in every direction when it comes to what sort of spirits, what sort of jeans you want to wear, what sort of, you know, jacket or Pendleton or whatever it is that you want to wear. There's been a a big push toward quality. Now quality has, uh, the stock in quality has, has come up tremendously. And at that same time, at least with men, you see, you know, the urban lumberjack, aesthetic come up everywhere guys want to have beards guys want to wear flannel guys want to wear jeans that are going to last longer than they will guys want to have one pair of boots that are going to be the best pair of boots i think that people um the return to the the masculine uh the masculine culture within men uh in america i think that along with that we're going to watch rye come up because rye is directly uh related to that rugged individualism you know in a way that that's out it's like an outside man in a way that um uh, bourbons and whiskeys aren't that's a that's a really you know that's a really good point and you know the spiciness of it falls falls into that and you know one thing is you know while we may see it return in the the masculinity i think that you know, men are getting where there's an effort to masculinity should not be uh, confused as misogyny or well, yeah. oh, anything like not. that, yeah. you know? Yeah. No. So Embr- em- embracing uh, uh, masculinity has nothing to do with misogyny. You know, I mean, it's, it's wanting to, you know, for a long time uh, in, for a long time over the last two generations, they had come from a do-it-yourself generation of like, yes, I do know how to rebuild my engine. That's because they came from a time when engines could be rebuilt with a cherry picker and a, a tool set in the garage. You know, I did that with my father, and and he did it with my grandpa. But you know, knowing how to fix your own plumbing, 
your own electrical system in, in your home and being able to do those things. I think that there's a desire, there's a desire to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, misogyny is way over here. That's, that is a, that's a behavioral, uh, a behavioral thing. And yeah. I, I think if anything else, I, I could see misogyny going down as men feel comfortable to get back in touch with themselves. I, and I think that, you know, and I, I have, I have two boys and we're obviously both men. Uh, but, I, but I, I always feel that, you know, people think that masculinity means that you're, you're rising above women. I don't believe that at all. I believe that good men um, encourage all. And, 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 you know, masculinity is, is like he's saying, is like being comfortable in your own skin. Like, mm. I mean, you, you want to talk about someone comfortable in their own skin. I mean, look what I'm wearing here. I've got a, I've got a flowery ascot and, uh, you know, a vest and a you know, plaid shirt. And none of this matches according to most standards, but I like it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I'm comfortable enough um, in my masculinity to tell you, you look good. And I got a beard too, so I'm uh, got a little bit of the lumberjack going on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, final thoughts on on the peerless. It brings out our thoughts on masculinity. That does not happen go. very often here. It it it's a bold one. <laughs> so this next one I have not tasted yet. Um. Only 86 bottles of this one made. Wow, that's really good. Okay, so we're going to the MB Roland. Yeah, so this is this is essentially they they have they're calling it a Kentucky single mash um, whiskey where they're. Basically, basically, this is a extremely rare label in that they are mixing. Uh, this is what the recipe is: thirty-two percent corn, thirty-two percent wheat, thirty-one percent rye, fifty-one percent barley. So, um, and because they're labeling it as a whiskey. You know, they can put this in used barrels. So these aren't necessarily new charred oak barrels. But um, this is going to be a fascinating one for me to taste because this has got a lot of different things going on here. Now, what these, what they do, and they're in western Kentucky, um, they get all of their grains from like local producers and you know Christian County is historic for using for growing white corn so this is like white corn most of the, of the corn used in bourbon or american whiskey is a um a2 yellow dent corn so basically the same level of corn that would make a potato chip or uh a tortilla something like that I, I I want to see the corn that makes a potato chip. Did I say potato chip? <laughs> Tortilla chip. I, I want that chip. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I actually have a potato right over my right over my shoulder. There, I don't know if you can see that. Let me show you the oh, chip. Oh yeah, no, I see that. I see that next to the Blantons. 
Yeah, there we go. So there you are. There's there's the there's the uh, there there's the corn that makes the potato chip. Yeah, go go make me a corn tortilla with that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, excellent. So they are using white corn, and they they distill at low proof. So this is uh, they distill it and then put it directly in the barrel. So not many people do that. Most people will mm. cut it with water before they put it in barrel, so their their bottles are always still proof and barrel proof. Well, I am just smelling it. There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Hmm. So there's some mint here, some peanut butter. I mean, mint and peanut butter are two things that I don't necessarily get. I get the peanut together. butter. Oddly, I'm getting a um, a savory scent, and this will sound really weird, but uh, let's get weird. Well, beef tartare. There's like a there's like a um, there's a bitter savoriness, you know, to beef tartare. I like that. Wow. Is there any of that any of that golden sun left here? Um there it's a little bit it's it's gone. The moment's gone. You've already found your clan in the <laughs> in, in the mystery world. All right, so this is tobacco for me on the palate. It's mm. um Yeah, definitely. It is really Leathery, tobacco-y. Oaky. I taste. Um, I taste. Um, def- definitely oak. some oak. I think this would probably, this would go well with uh, with, uh, with a spicy cigar. Do you smoke cigars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, every now and again. You know, I'm not... Uh... I'm not an aficionado by any stretch. Uh, I think cigars, and a lot of the time I've even been in, in company with friends when they'll break up something, break out something really rare. Mm-hmm. I'll just be like, man, don't waste that on me. Like I'll appreciate it, <laughs> but I know you probably got five other friends that will appreciate it even more than I would. Do you worry about <clears throat> but, your voice with something like that? Like, is like no, you know, cigar really hits the throat. Yeah, uh, no, I really don't. And, uh, you know, I'll smoke cigarettes every now and then, even, and uh, and I'll have a joint whenever I want to. I don't really worry about smoking, uh, but I also get a lot of exercise. I think that you know, overall body health, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, that contributes to a healthy voice. For me, that's my experience because you'll you'll get people that will give you all kinds of hokum about what it takes but what i know is i live my life the way that i do and i'm mm-hmm. able to do what i need to do you know it's funny like uh it, this when i when i talk to singers uh i ask the question a lot about you know whiskey and um there i mean it's a mixed bag you know some people feel that you should not drink anywhere near performance 
there are some country performers who are like, I'm actually better when I'm half a bottle in, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, there are many ways to uh, skin a cat when it comes to that. I, I think that it, it, it comes down to the individual performer. For me, uh, one thing I can't handle is being intoxicated. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like drunk on stage is the worst feeling you could ever. It's the, it's the worst. I've only had it a couple of times in my life. Um, but being that intoxicated where you're not really with it, I mean, you know, you're there and you can do your job and you can lose yourself in the music and everything. But I know that for me, I have a hard time reconciling with being intoxicated on stage because I have a job to do. That job is to take everybody somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and if I'm not fully engaged and fully on it, um, you know, it's like you get sidetracked. You got to. You have to be able to check yourself and and stay as engaged as possible. Yeah. And if you're drunk, you're not going to be able to do that. You know. Yeah. I mean, when when you're drunk, you can't do much, except maybe drink. Except more. drink more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had. Mm. Um, I, I'll do live streams where I'm doing tastings. I'll, I've I've done them where I've tasted like forty something, uh, forty something things at a time. And I won't say I, I I didn't get you know drunk or anything like that because it's you know spitting, um, but we get a little what we say in the YouTube Loose. channel a little Phil Chiltered. We got a little yeah. Phil Chiltered because because chill filtration is something I talk about in in my tastings and I and I said Phil Chiltered once and I just it just kind of Phil Chiltered. Yeah, I get that. And you know, um, we, you know, you're drinking. So for you to have that many tastings, like, man, that's the laws of average. It's You're going to get nailed. It's yeah. going to happen from now and then, you know, from time to time. It's the same thing with me if I'm drinking on stage. There will be those times when it's like, oh, it just goes one toke over the line. Oh. So then I have to not drink at all, drink water, sweat more, sing a couple more songs. Well, but, you know, you, you have a real talent. I mean, I, I, I drink for a living, you know, I don't, it's not, I mean, that's, that's my talent for the world is that I drink and taste, you know, so like, um, that's all I got for folks, but you know, you actually, you actually give something to the world in terms of like a, a, a beautiful talent and, you know, you've got fans for all over the place and, uh, you know, just a great band, you know, you guys are still crushing it, you know, it's been, you guys have been together, wait, you, you, you started the Buchanan band first. And yeah, that... I, I had Buchanan. I mean, I've been making records since I was 16, you know, but like, uh, you know, touring successfully, touring as a solo artist, I did all of that for for years. But Rival Sons came together in 2008. So we came together then, and it was really, I just, you know... I've just figured it was going to be a side project mm -hmm. because I, I, I was, and I remain much more of a singer songwriter at heart. Um, but rock and roll became <laughs> my main wheel really quickly. It rival sons basically shot off like a rocket. It was very unexpected for me. <clears throat> and it's been a wild ride. You know, we, uh, from our first European tour, our first European tour, I think, was in 2010. I'm um, opening for 
Judas Priest. Wow. And Queensryche was, uh, yeah, it was Judas Priest and Queensryche. And that was really something, you know, but from then on, now we've, now we've played with everyone. We've played with literally everyone. And it's been a wild ride. Well, and the ride keeps on going uh, in a pandemic. What uh, What's next for you all? We've been, uh, I think that we've been uh, taking stock, just like everyone else, figuring out what are we going to do when, this, uh, when all the dust settles. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you know, I've started a, a few um, a few other uh, projects. I've got an electronic project called The Obstacle that's I'm really, really really excited about i have my solo project which is called uh holy spirits and um in between well, those two we and... can talk about holy spirits here today that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> we've uh but we've got that and you know I've, I've done a lot of work at rca in this last year up back in nashville and i was on barry gibbs record and that came out just a couple of weeks back and I think it, it hit number one in the UK and I hit number one in four countries. He got a number one here in the States. And so that, that record's done really well. So I've stayed busy. Um, but talking about rival sons, our, our main goal has been writing this next record. Yeah. And we're, we're halfway through recording it right now. So I'll be going back to Nashville um, in February, um, to finish recording the record, but we're definitely, we're looking forward to releasing that and getting back out on the road. That's awesome. I mean, you know, you all are, you all are a, you're a, you're a known commodity. You all have like, you know, super fans, but also you are, you're, you're somebody that like, you know, some of these like um you know if, if somebody were were to like create a super band of like i i got to imagine like you would be one of the you would be on a short list for you know to go and be a lead singer for like an upcoming band that would have like some some fellow a-list talent do you, do you ever get approached about starting a new band <laughs> or yeah yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it happens. And I, or you know, other friends that I have uh, from other really successful bands, they'll just be tired of what they're doing. Like, hey, man, you know, you and I should get together, and we should, you know, go over here and do this thing. Like, that sounds great. But uh, you know, I'm fully employed right now. <laughs> I've got a, I have enough going on. You know, it, it, it we've we're all conditioned by VH1 behind the music. You know, with all these, oh yeah, all all these stories. So, I'd be, I, I, it would be interesting to be a, a fly on the wall in some of those conversations. But well, you know, I, I think uh, you got to keep yourself uh, engaged and and satisfied. And even for me, you know, in my band, you know, with Rival Sons, yeah, we go through our stuff and we get bored of each other. We get bored of, uh, of playing the same songs. It happens. Why wouldn't it happen? It happens to everybody. I think yeah. that it, each one of us are, you know, as musicians or people in general, you're charged with the responsibility of entertaining yourself throughout your life. Um, so some people do that with education. Um, some people do that with uh, physical activity and fitness. 
um, you know, some people do it with exploring, uh, exploring the, the finer points of bourbons and whiskeys. You know, some people do it with writing songs, but I think that no matter what you're doing, you have to, you have to turn inward, uh, and figure out what's, what's not working right in the engine, you know, Mm -hmm. with bands, some bands, people get bored of what they're doing. And so they just, they look out and go like, well, I need to go over here now. And I think that a lot of the time it comes down to the individual reconciling with where they might be falling short too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of like, uh, I'm beginning to notice a trend here. You have like this very introspective, optimistic outlook on life. And, you know, we may, we may want to create a new segment for the show, Jay's Corner, where you're giving life advice to everybody over a dram. But, um, you know, in all seriousness, I love what you do. I love, I, I love rival songs. I'm so glad we could finally get together and you, you, you got to enjoy the, the mictors beforehand and, and you got a new bottle and I'll send you some, we'll send you some new stuff too. So, um, your, I would, uh, uh, your cupboard won't be I, dry. I will take all comers when it comes to that because, um, it just really lights me up, man. I want to send you. Talk. Yeah, I want to send you some. Um, I want to send you some like prohibition era rye. I want to send you mm. some different ryes so you can taste through them since you really, really like rye. Yeah, but, I've had I've had a few different ones um, recently, and that there's that hard edge, that high alcohol, mm-hmm. um, that high alcohol taste. Um, I don't know what it is about my palate, but I, I've, I've always enjoyed bitter things, black licorice, um, really spicy foods. But I like uh, I like things with a harder edge on them. You know, that would make sense why you like some of the older ryes. That's that was their mo is uh, black licorice. So, yeah, right on, man. Well, well this what, has what, been a real pleasure for me. What man. was your favorite? Was it the Peerless? Um. I would put I no, I'm gonna go with the MB Roland um for what's right up my alley. Well no. See the peer you have the Mictors, Mictors is over here. Mictors mm-hmm. is a like I said, it's, it's it's right down the middle. It's great, but it's right down the middle. Uh the MB Roland is exotic. It has a, a very exotic flourish to it. And now uh, the Peerless has uh has a real uh, a real complexity and it has that bitterness it has that it has that harder edge i yeah i'd have to go with the peerless but that mb roland is really delicious so we got a close call here we got a close call but jay's going to give it to give it to peerless now here's the deal they're in different categories too yeah. so you could you could actually say they're both winners well i MB Roland, I, I smell the empty glass. Campfire. Yeah. Wow. Mesquite. Um, they're they're so different, you know. It's it's really hard to say one or the other because, uh, well, I'm liable to change my mind quite often. <laughs> That's how it goes. Well, this is really good. This is this is so cool to do. Well, Jay, it was great to have you on the show, and um, the the Super Bowl is next week or mm-hmm. when this comes out do you have a you have a team uh you're rooting for or no 
No, I really don't. I have to tell you the last two months of my life have been the craziest of my life. Haven't had much uh, on television or much of anything other than, you know, we just had a baby. So I have my second son. Congratulations. And, uh, all together, that makes three for me. So I have that. I have moving my family back out west to California from uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is moving east. I was the only one um, heading west, but we had to get out here with the baby to raise him around family and everything. But in between that and with all of these musical projects and recording with Rival Sons and writing and getting into this house, um, my hands have been pretty tied up. So I've had time for family and chores during the day. And once the sun goes down, a little bit of this. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, everybody, make sure you're giving Rival Sons and JB Cannon a follow on all socials. Do you have a social that you prefer? Instagram? Uh, yeah, just for Instagram is basically all I do now. I've, I've really just laid off of never been a Twitter guy. Facebook, I think I disabled my account a long time ago. I just, so I'll, I'll hop on Instagram every now and again, you know, and I prefer if it's going to be my name on there, I have to do it for a while. I had, you know, hiring other people to do it. I just can't do that, you know. If it's, if it's going to be me, it's got to be me. But uh, Jay the Bird That Sinks on Instagram, and um, you can look up Rival Sons on any electronic device anywhere. They're so go check everywhere. it out. Absolutely. Well, cheers, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show, and be safe. I can't wait to see you on the stage again, and I hope that it's at Lollapalooza in Stockholm. Cheers. All right, man. I'll keep in touch with you. Thank you so much, Fred. Oh, man, I'm glad you uh, stuck around and listened to that full interview with Jay Buchanan. Incredible talent. Make sure you're uh, checking out um, Rival Sons and you're following Jay on the socials, especially Instagram. What turns out he deleted his uh, Facebook account, so can't follow him there. So make sure you're checking out Rival Sons on all the socials and Jay Buchanan on Instagram. But that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, I'm introducing you to a new spirits company, a new spirits and champagne company called Billionaire's Row. Billionaire's Row. Do a Google on them. You'll be glad you did. But until next week, be safe out there. No licking handrails, no licking trash cans. And remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com. <laughs>